The Pinball Network is online. Launching. Final Round Pinball Podcast. Player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Hello, once again, my name is Jeff Teals. My name is Martin Robbins, and you have joined us on the final round pinball podcast. So, well done. Just two regular American pinball announcers here that uh, make their games. <laughs> Spring to life, Marty Didlon Houdini, and yours truly on Legends of Valhalla. Ho-hum, just another day, right, big guy? No big deal. Whatever, get over it. Whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, that's some big news. We'll get to that in a bit, but how we like to do this show is we like to to build up, you know, kind of climax at the end. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, you don't want to build up for too long, otherwise it gets a bit painful. So we start off a little, well, you know, a little fluff, a little dull, which brings us to our next guest. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, of course, or do I? No, he's a great guy. He's wonderful. You know him from Top Rope Pinball. He is now a top 100 player in the world where he's been before, and he uh, has been doing a lot of competitions because he can in North America. You know him. You love him. Here he is, Robert Byers. Finally, the Rob has come to Final Round Podcast. If you smell what the Rob was slipping last weekend. Hi, guys. How are you? (laughs) Hey, good mate. Marty, can you imagine this guy like Christmas or Thanksgiving dinners? Like, hey, Rob, can you pass the uh, butter? You want the butter? Like, fuck, dude, <laughs> you just give the me butter. the butter. The Rob says you don't need the butter. The Rob says you're too fat already. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I could ever get sick of it, Jeff. Marty, do they have Swanson dinners for one in Australia, too? Because I'm guessing that Robert might have had one or two <laughs> uh, what, come holiday uh, uh, what? time. Do you have those, Rob? Or is it a Canadian thing? Swanson dinner, like TV dinners. Yeah, it's TV dinners. Swanson, yeah. No, nah, yeah. never heard of it. It's it ain't basic- like healthy choice or something like that. It's just, you know, crappy food. Oh, us. yeah. It's just like that. You've got vegetables in one part, the meat in the other, stick it in the microwave for seven minutes and you're done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yep. It's like going to play bridge with friends and you get there and they're like, enjoy your solitaire. That's what I'm trying to say. True story. That is a weird analogy. The point is he's by himself because he's fucking always doing these intros, but <laughs> he can't even have a conversation with him. Like, Marty, Rob and I are buds, and uh, New York City Pinball Championships, Rob and I uh, hung out together, stayed in the same room together. Different beds, get your fucking head out of the gutter. Mm, well, when you went into the room, maybe. I mean, what? He, he tried to creep a couple times. I yes. he's only It was human. cold, Robert. We talked about that. Anyway. <laughs> That's how I got the idea for the reach around. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you were behind me, so go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Robert's uh, an interesting guy, a great pinball player, and uh, I will give him his props, Marty, because you know that this podcast has only been about one thing only, and it's competition pinball. It's about nothing else. Nothing else. We only ever talk about competition pinball. We also did talk about whether we were going to save you as well and we'll get to that yeah yeah yeah, we'll get to that Mm -hmm. 
possible They're mistake. the only two things of interest now. In fact, someone messages me all the time and says, you know, the rest of the podcast, it's, it's fine, it's okay, only hangs out for the Will You Save segment. So there you go. That's all we are now. The Squid Game of Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I have not watched that yet. What? Oh, stop it. My wife has been out of town, and then I was at District 82, so it, it's on the list for us to binge next weekend with no kids, so we'll, we'll get to it, but no, no spoilers. Okay, none. Nobody dies. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, what I was going to say is about that District 82, in Wisconsin, this was a mecca for pinball players all across America, North America too, because Phil Birnbaum from Canada was there. In fact, he won the first event. Neil McRae, our good friend and backup announcer for the reach rounds, was there from uh, United Kingdom. And this thing was just crazy. So a beautiful facility, over 100 pinball machines. Basically, if you can remember, Marty, when you and I first met at Papa and all the competitions that went on there, well, that's kind of what this was. Am when I you, right, When Robert? you thought I was Jordan's dad, yep. I just needed yes, to bring yes. that up again. Yeah, it was kind of like a, a, a mini world championship, Papa championship in this big tournament thing. Had a lot of people, you know, Carl, D'Angelo was there. Um, Ray Day actually rode up with Ray Day from Chicago. And Colin McAlpine and Travis Murray, um, Kaylee. Uh, and I'm missing about 15 other people, Jared. And it was just intense. I feel like I'm a pretty good player. I went up there, and my goal for the six tournaments, seriously, was one top 16. If I would get that, I was going to be happy. So that's the level of competition that was there out of 100 people. Can I go back a second if I can? Because I, I want to know more about the tournament, and I, and I want to get to that. But my question is, look, obviously we've been out of the tournaments. We, we joked about it before for some time. Has District 82 always been this big? Because when it was on, it was all I could see on my social media feeds and obviously it was on Twitch as well, was just this tournament at District 82. Is, is this been a thing every year or was it just exploding this year? This year. Wow, how? Eric Thorne has had this place for a while and it was called something that the Green Bay Packers didn't like before that, so they had to change it to District 82. And... They've just really followed the leads of maybe, to some extent, Brisbane Masters. Maybe that tournament I was at in Germany, in Fulda, at Bulls and Balls, where they do these weekends of a lot of tournaments. So, Robert, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is the experience I found. You're not going to see casual pinball players at this event. These are the diehards, the gamers, the tournament players, the best of the best. Absolutely. I mean... There's a lot of people that came in for this. You know, we had we knew Tom Graff on Fox City's Pinball was going to be streaming this thing. So we knew it was going to be top notch with rolling rigs and and following the top groups and, you know, six tournaments in four days. And Eric just knocked it out of the park, just on the tech, on the ruling. You had four TDs. It went really smooth. The only thing that caught him, the only thing that caught him was the timing. He's used to locals and there are some very strong players up there to keep taking that away from nobody that is local but the concentration of competition that was there he didn't understand that if you have whirlwind or earthshaker in the classic and you get three or four top guys on there trapping up taking their time 
destroying these games, they're going to go long. So I think he had anticipated maybe 45 minutes around, and we started running an hour to hour 15 around. So the tournament started running over about two hours plus every tournament. So they started backing up on their self. So that's the only thing I could say negative. Everything else was positive. The only other suggestion I left for him is to have some tournaments with more of a traditional finals because everything was on match play and it was a four strikes or it was a, you know, a 13 round or the first to 30. So there wasn't really that top eight, top 16, you know, pop of finals format in any of the tournaments. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you for a second there. And I'll tell you why in these tournaments, what are those other people going to do while the 16 people are playing a Papa style format. So they're playing best of three matches till they get down to eight, till they get down to four, till they get down to two. That could take three hours. What are those other people going to do unless you do this end of the night? And I don't know. I, I think to maximize the time so that you can get more of these tournaments in, I thought Eric made a wise choice. You really want to maximize the time? Do flip frenzies. Correct. I do have an answer to, to your dilemma there because I agree with you. And I'm going to tell you what those people are going to do that don't make the top 16. They're going to sleep because let me just run through my my weekend real quick. I got up at 3.30 a.m. in Austin, Texas to catch a 6 a.m. flight to fly up to Chicago, ride up three, three and a half hour drive to District 82 area. I did get about an hour, hour and a half nap. And we started at 5, ended at 1.30, got home, got to the hotel at 2.00. Started again at 8, got to the hotel at 2, started again at 8, got to the hotel at 2, started again at 8, and finished up at 5 o'clock. So I averaged about 4 to 5 hours of sleep for 3 to 4 nights straight. So what my suggestion is, is pull just one of those tournaments out. Just one of them. Free up that 10 hours. Spread those 10 hours between breaks in the tournament. Or for the Friday night tournament... Instead of having a Saturday morning tournament, pull one of the tournaments and Friday, uh, Saturday morning, you have the finals for Friday. So if you made the top 16, sorry, you don't get to sleep too much. You got to come play finals on Saturday morning, but everybody else gets to sleep in, chill out, and then roll in for the Saturday night tournament. So that was my suggestion. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, I think that was a very good counter. Thank you very much for that, Robert. Um, I was just going to say, like, you know, when, you know, Jeff was saying, all the, all the people you know, wait around. I think the point that Rob was saying was you really like semifinals and, and finals where it's just a group because it feels like there is something that you have an immediate achievement where you can feel good. And then, you know, if you get, if you don't win, at least you go, oh, well, I got top 16 or I got top eight where I felt good because it was this self-contained finals. So I get the dilemma as well. I do like having finals. And, and I remember when I put on, Flip Frenzy at the Melbourne Silver Bowl Championship, everyone was like, oh, you need to do finals. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I just want to do, I, do, I want to do it without finals just so I know it goes for three hours. That's it. And then everyone can go home. So it really is a double-edged sword here. But I think what you really hit on there is probably too many tournaments crammed into one with not a lot of room for creep. Sometimes less is more, no question about it. And... Another thought that we haven't even thrown out there is, okay, Robert, you've got your wish. Top 16 get playoffs. While those players are playing the playoffs, everybody who didn't make the playoffs, here's another tournament for you. Flip Frenzy. Yep. Why not? 
flip frenzy for that. You know, if you didn't make the final 16, you you come in for a little little flip frenzy and it's going to run, you know, until the finals of the finals start, you know, just to have a little bit of break and call that good. And that gives everybody that didn't make the top 16 to get in there and and battle and, and get some whopper points uh, when some of the big boys aren't in there. So that's exactly um, what, what you could do. I agree. By the way, I was a little bit jealous not to be there, but uh, super happy that everything went well for Tom Graff, Fox Cities, Eric Thorne, and everybody at District 82. It looks spectacular. A great stream, great competition. I even said to Eric, when's the next one? So I can sign up and I think of all the people that weren't there, there's going to be a lot of people that want to sign up for that. But that was six tournaments in four days. Or as the Germans like to say, wussies. Are you only four? Seven in four days. In fact, there were eight. They canceled the one. Wow. And the reason I say this is not to one-up you. It's actually to sympathize with you and commiserate about the lack of sleep in these things. It was... I've done two 24-hour battles at the Sanctum, and the second one really knocked the shit out of me. And I said, probably not going to do another one of these. It's, uh, It's fun. I'm glad I did it. And it is fun. I just physically... It hurts me the next couple of days. This German tournament, which is similar to what you did, same amount of hours, so so those that were District 82 can compare. It was exhausting, especially if you've got to travel. You mentioned getting up at 3.30. Well, ditto and you know jet lag and all the other stuff. Holy cow, I have never... Did you wind up at some point going, I kind of hate pinball? No, I never got there because, because it's been 18 months. That's true bring it on and I would go next weekend if there was another one. (laughs) So, I mean, Eric, I think this is definitely going to be an annual event. I mentioned to him, I said, I'd come up here twice a year if you did like a a May and October every year, something like this for sure. But yeah, it wore on me. I'll tell you how it wore on me. So event number one, 34th. Event number two, 31st. Event number three, 13th. Event number four, 12th. Event number five, 10th you kind of see this progression here as i'm learning the games and knowing the bouncing is and getting some repeats i'm i'm moving up in the in the fit uh, you know in the finish uh round number six 38 i did not care it was walk up i don't care if the guy rage tilted before me it was plunge the ball flip away and just go because my mental game was completely shot at that point was everybody else in the same boat or do you feel like you had a, had a different journey to everybody else? So yes and no. There were some people that skipped the tournament. They're like, I'm dead. And so they just took a tournament off. It was tough for the top players because guess what? Even though my highest finish was 10th in the first five, because I was consistent, I was in seventh overall. And so they had an overall where, you know, if you finish first, you got it like a pump and dump, 199, 98, 97, 96, blah, 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 all the way down towards the finals. And I forget, I'm so sorry, I forget the sponsor, but the sponsor put up $1,000 for, for overall first and even, and they paid the top six. So, you know, I was in seventh overall because um, I was consistent because there were some people that finished ahead and then they, they shit the bed in the next tournament, you know, so consistency paid off. And so I was right on that cut line. Of, uh, of getting some cash and of course I shit the bed on <laughs> the last one but you know that was always in the back of my mind I can't skip one I can't skip one and plus I I got 25 points for 10th 11th 12th so that bumped me back up in the top 100 which is actually my 
ultimate goal going there is finish high enough to get enough points to crack back into that top 100 and get some motivation going into to tournaments. And so I'd do it again next weekend. I'll kill myself, but I would do it again. It was awesome. So this weekend is Pinball Expo, not quite the endurance. It's limited entry main tournament and then a big, 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 big bracket for uh, a chance to win a new Stern pinball machine. There's also a classics event, and that runs over a few days. In fact, I think it's three, and it's just pump and dump, and you keep going. So you try to make whatever it is, top 32 or 16, whatever it is. And Robert and I have done a bunch of these, these pump and dumps. And even though you can start playing at, say, 9 in the morning, maybe they end at 1 in the morning, you're not playing that full 16 hours. You're going to get a bite to eat. You're taking a few hours off. But what Robert did, what I did in Germany, is something I haven't done over that four-day period. Every single game, every ball mattered. That's tough. That's the mental grind. You're getting 10, 10 or 15-minute breaks at most. So between games, and you're just on, 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 on. But you can't have an off ball, an off game. You're just like, oh, that's really going to wipe me out. And... It's good to experience, but it's, I mean, Raymond Davidson won. The guy knows a little bit about winning, number one player in the world, but. Yeah, so guys, just I just need to just interrupt just for a second because I'm, I'm really just going boo-hoo to both of you because I want <laughs> you, I want you to understand that whilst you're there going, oh my God, it is so tough for me having to play pinball. Oh my God. And I only get a 15 minute break eight times. Think about the fucking people organizing these tournaments because they are there yeah. two hours before you. They are there two hours after you and they don't get breaks. So big shout out to those people. Like I, I was just listening to you going, oh my God, it's so bad that we have to play and every ball counts. It's like try running a tournament that goes for 14 hours a day. That's fucking hard going. I got to agree with Marty. He's right. You're right. You're right. I'm going to double down on that. I mean, think about Tom Graff, nicest guy you'd meet. He's really nice. He, he's a great guy. I, I crashed at his place. There's three or four of us crashed at his place. He's getting there early. He's setting up the stream. He's rolling the rig around. Then he's going playing his matches. And then he's moving the rig. And he's making sure they've got commentators. And he's there until the end every night going home. It was not fun to talk to Tom Sunday morning on the <laughs> way out. He was fried. He was just fried. And I don't know how he made it through it honestly plus he's also got his son neil there who did really well himself another uh, great player so he's parenting as well i know he had rachel did a wonderful job uh, on the stream the whole time so that was just really well done and marty you're right i mean eric thorne here's something that players like eric did these six tournaments do you know that that night he entered them in to ifpa so that the i saw that the results came out almost instantaneously. Like, that's something tournament directors don't do all the time, nor should they. I mean, they're busy, like you say, and there's other things to go on, but that's how dedicated Eric was. So he, he certainly was the MVP of the weekend. Yeah. So let's talk results. Who won what? Raymond and Kaylee won a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, Jared, August won one. I don't remember. Phil Birnbaum. Phil, Phil took the first one, I think. He, he played solid. Colin McAlpine never won one, but he was he was near the top most of the time. I wish I had the list. So I've got all the list up on the IFPA of the individual tournaments, but I don't have the list of how everybody finished, which would be great to have because it had each each tournament listed and you could just check the points and kind of see where people finished. But, you know, it, it pumped Ray Day back up into number one. Kaylee jumped up to number three in the world. 
The other winner you didn't mention was Carl won, uh, I think, four strikes. So I would say Carl was struggling earlier for Carl. You know, that doesn't mean he wasn't doing good. It's just he there was a four strikes where it was um, no strikes for top two, one strike for the bottom. And he said, forget all of you. I'm done goofing around. Yeah. And he had like no strikes when everybody else had two strikes. And then I think he had one when everybody had three. And he just he just he just trucked through everybody. He just and, didn't. He just didn't lose. And John Del Zappo of Ohio was the other winner. So it looks like there were six different winners, but uh, pretty incredible. And it makes me wonder when you go to your next big event, which I'm guessing is going to be the Houston Arcade Expo. Is that right? Absolutely. So I'm going to give you a little sh- myself a little shout out. No, you? No, no. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, you guys got ten more minutes. Oh shit. Um, here we go. No, Phil Phil Grimaldi. You know, um, one of the the key guys, uh, you know, building rigs and streaming stuff, um, you know, on Space City Pinball um, is TD in that tournament. And he's going to set up all his awesome stream and we'll be going going full board. But since he's TD, he's asked me as I've stepped up on streaming to monitor the stream and make sure commentators are in and out. Nobody's doing stupid. And he's going to let me stream that event on Top Rope Pinball. So nice. you, need, you need to follow top rope and set up notifications because qualifications in the finals for the Houston Open are, are going to be there. And there may there may be some guest wrestler appearances in the booth occasionally commentating on the tournament. That's all I got for you right now. There's a classics event. There's the women's event and then the main event at Houston Arcade Expo coming up uh, middle to end of November. So we will watch Top Rope Pinball for that. Marty, you've stepped up your streaming on Melbourne Silverball. You've got the Sid and Marty, the Croft <laughs> videos. The drinking is always top notch. It's nice <laughs> to see you're, you're back doing it. But uh, what do you think about Robert as the second best streamer on the TPN with wrestling intros? Uh, controversial. Because <laughs> he's been bumped. Now that Rebby and Matt Hardy are on, I think they've had yeah. some experience doing wrestling intros. Robert. I know. You've, you've created a monster. I know. What's awesome is Rebby came onto my stream and, and reached out and we chatted back and forth and she just absolutely loves it. So the first time she, I knew she was coming on to watch, I did a, a Matt Hardy intro. That <laughs> was pretty cool. So she's always uh, popping in and, and she doesn't chat much, you know, because they don't want to get ran over with, uh, you know, famous people wanting to, you know, everybody wanting to chat with them. But uh, her, her stream is growing and she does a lot of variety stuff, but it was nice to see her uh, and that officially join TPN. So that was cool. Can I ask, how famous are they? Pretty big in North America. So Matt and Jeff Hardy, I would say were... At one point in their heyday, they were a a list wrestling tag team. Okay, um, and so they were they were pretty top notch. Most people will know Jeff because he's the high flyer, jump off ladders, and and go crazy. But Matt Matt's been solid, uh, solid technical wrestler, and uh, he's rebranded himself several different times, which is something that some wrestlers have to do to uh, stay in the limelight. They're pretty well known, and so is Rebby. Rebby had, I think, a, ble- a brief wrestling career, but man, that that lady, yeah, I think she's plays classical piano, and she done she's done plays, and she's she's done a lot of things um, in her career. So they're they're definitely known. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, 
they seem like lovely people. I've just, I don't know who they are. And that's two reasons. Obviously, I'm not a wrestling fan. I know, disappointing for everybody. Uh, but also, I'm, I'm in Australia. So wrestling is, you know, it's a it's a guilty pleasure here, which I think it's probably a guilty pleasure all around the world. But it really isn't all that popular here at all. Bullshit. I've been to Australia. I saw your $20 bill. The Bushwhackers were on it. Say. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeff, in the next, if Marty's ever around TPF or whatever, and I can set up my stream, I'm still going to grab him. We're going to do a Bushwhackers intro. Absolutely. What's Bushwhackers? Oh my oh. gosh. Google it, dude. You're fail, fail. I wish you would have killed me now instead of Colin. Well, we could always redo that. Let's talk about that. So Robert, Marty originally picked Colin McAlpine that he was going to save. No, I didn't. Over you. And I threw out some bullshit. Because Marty had a bad back that you were a professional masseuse and he quickly switched and I was full of shit. You owe me big time for that because you should be dead and six feet under. The only thing I would say is I disagree with you because I heard Marty kind of chirp up there. He hadn't fully committed to calling. No, when he threw that I hadn't. I hadn't. He was still wavering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, there was no flip flopping there. I, I was, you know, formulating my case in my head, but. Yeah, yeah, it had to be Robert in the end. And and as I said, and, and I'll double down on it, Colin has had a long and fruitful life. I think he has, is, is well past his peak and there's probably not, <laughs> not much more left for him. Whereas I think Robert still has a lot left in him and a lot more achievements to be had. So there you go. Uh, Robert's creeping up to the 50 club. Yeah, but you know, yeah. before 50 and after 50 are radically different. Yeah, that's a good point. I, uh, one month, almost one month to the day, I'll turn 49. So I got a, I got a year left in me before mm-hmm. I'm over the hill like you two old fucks. <laughs> yeah, we are old, but we, we're old and wise. And I say wise because we are post 50, so we know. We know. You know how they say, oh, life yeah. begins at 40 or life begins at 30, life begins at 50. It doesn't. Life ends at 50 and you will find out in a year and one month's time. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Waking up at three in the morning not to go on an airplane to Wisconsin because you're about to have your third piss yep. when you're trying to sleep. <laughs> That's what it's about. Yep. And sometimes not waking up. <laughs> I go, fuck. <laughs> Gotta change the sheets. Uh, okay. So Houston Arcade Expo is is a big deal, and I recommend everyone check out that. Is it called Houston Arcade Expo? I know it's Space City that does it. I, saw, I always want to say the Space City Open. It's HAG. H-A-A-G. Houston Area Arcade Group is the group that started that. And I've been going to this since 2005 when it was just small potatoes. And then, you know, as Phil got into streaming and running tournaments, it slowly progressed from the people that were running it to Phil, and he brought it up to a a top-notch tournament. And it is. It's the party show. Oh, yeah. There's there's no classics, Jeff. We We don't have time for that. There's too much drinking going on. We don't have time for that. It's just the main tournament and the women's tournament. Um, and now we do have, they do have a week of little events, you know, throughout the city uh, coming up to that. But it's it, it's just the main tournament and have some fun. And the way he's set up, there's, there's two sessions each day and you're either in the red or the blue. So you're only playing half the day and then you're drinking the other half and then you rotate through the next day. Yeah, it's tough to qualify in that for sure. You really have to come first or second in every game you play in qualifying. Last year, it was like six games. So it's like you either, you know, finished first and five and third and once, or you, you took a last and you better sweep 
This year it's expanded out. I think it's 12 rounds or something like that, but it's, it's sold out. So it, it it's solid, but Elizabeth Drone is going to put on an awesome women's tournament. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how the streaming is going to go. I know I'm going to have the streaming rig on one game during qualifying. I play the early bracket, so I don't know how much it'll get moved on, but I'm playing early so I can stream the late bracket and move the different games and stuff like that. And then of course we'll, We'll stream the the main group and finals and, and move around from there on Saturday night. That's what's unique. There ain't no Sunday at the expo. It's Church. Friday, Friday, Saturday, or God, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Shoot, I don't know. The one thing we do have is we have the finals for the Texas Pinball League that we qualified for right before the pandemic hit that's carrying over that we were supposed to do at Texas Pinball Festival in 2020. So... Um, lots going on for sure. Texas Pinball Festival is coming up in March, and you guys always have your Texas Pinball League finals beforehand. You know, I'm not saying I'm one of them because I'm not, but there are people that get pissed off that you guys do that on the machines that are used for the Texas Pinball Festival tournament. And the reason it bothers people is because that's a limited entry tournament. So people playing that, and this is what it's going to be like next year. You have 20 entries and 12 of your machines count. So you only get one crack at one of those machines, maybe two. And the Texas Pinball League guys are going to have some warm-ups on that. I would suggest, I know it's done for testing purposes. It doesn't look good. The optics aren't good. I'm just going to say it. And I'm not trying to piss anybody off in Texas. I realize why you do it. It's a congregation where you can get together and do that because there's the group from Dallas, there's the Austin, there's the Houston people, San Antonio. You got to do it somewhere. But the optics, no matter what you say, unfortunately don't look good. So maybe there'll be something done differently. It's just, uh, I've heard Texas guys defend it and I've heard everyone else kind of say, ah, that seems a little odd. Yeah, it's a tough situation. You know, the original idea was play testing games. We've had a history of people offering games up for the tournament and they come in and they need completely rebuilt so there's there, the, the strategy originally was get some games on these things, make sure they're ready because we do do it the day before. And then there's a whole almost a whole day to tech stuff that anything that's broken. But I get it. I, I, I get it. It's the same and it's the different because of the limited entry. But when I went up to District 82, there's 100 games that the locals have been playing. And like I said, first couple of rounds. Oh, crap. That scoop shoots it down the middle or that scoop dead bounces here, or hits the sling. I need to nudge that. So there, there's always a level of some people are going to know the games that in the tournament, no matter where they come from, because they're coming from local. But I, I do understand your point. Yeah, the only thing that you hurt your cause there is, is you said earlier that I went from 34th to 31st and all the way up to 10th. So the more you play games, the better you get. And that's the case with all good players. You don't have that opportunity at TPF. Just saying that. So it's just something for consideration. That's. Absolutely. And no, I I am not a tournament director there. And I want to bring Marty in on this too. Marty, you have run big, big tournaments. And let's put all of us into the eyes of that tournament director. What does the tournament director want? They want to make sure all the machines work and they can find out bugs and fix any problems. What's the best way to do it? No question. Have people play the machines before the big event. So, That is why I understand why the Texas Pinball League does that. Marty, you've run all kinds of big tournaments. Getting machines ready, that's something people don't see when they go to the event, do they? No, and it does take 
some time to really dial these things in. I mean, if it's in your collection, then, or if you've got access to the machines, you can maybe spend some time a week before, you know, setting them up. But for me, we've had to set up the event. So this was flip out. So we've had to set up the event, get all the machines there and then get them ready for the tournament. So we just don't really have a lot of time to get them ready in anyway. And we're probably not enough time because you've got to make sure that the rules are set to the right level of difficulty. The play field itself has had some modifications if required, just so they all play around about the same time. Otherwise, it can absolutely throw out a tournament, which it did for, I think, the first big one that I did at, at Flipout where we had Terminator 3, which we just didn't have a lot of time to set up the difficulty. And so it was a real long player, which it obviously it's one of its biggest criticisms that it's a long player, but you can really toughen it up to make it a short player. We just didn't have enough time on it to do it. And here's the thing. Those tournaments you run and TPF, limited tournaments are, are similar to pump and dumps. You know, you're comparing your score against everyone else's. So you can't make big adjustments no, once that not tournament at all. has started. Correct. So, that's why I do side with what Texas Pinball League is doing is that they're they're playtesting these and they can make these adjustments. That's what Marty, you know, you just mentioned it with Melbourne Silverball. You didn't have a lot of time. If you had a bunch of players playing for two hours, that would have been a godsend to you, correct? Correct. But I, I made sure that most of the playtesting was done by myself because I knew I wasn't going to be in the tournament. There is the key and why, and why pinball tournaments are so difficult because... Unless you have a group of five or six people that are not going to play in the tournament to play test, just as we talked about, you know, tournament directors playing in their own tournaments, we are just not at that level to have that type of stuff go on. So, you know, you're adjusting outlanes, you're adjusting rubbers, you're adjusting posts, you're adjusting tilts, you're adjusting pitch, you're adjusting level, you're adjusting settings. It's just so much that you just, you know, if there's, I think we may have 15 games at Texas Pinball Festival this year to get to 20% bonus. There's 15 games plus your 10 or 12 in classics that you're trying to get ready in a short amount of time. And you just don't have the manpower or the people to do it. So I get it. I understand people are upset about it, but you can almost say that about Every single tournament, yes. there is somebody that has played some of those games that are in the tournament and knows them very well. What makes Texas very difficult, which I will I will say, is it's limited entry. If I was pump and dump, so be it. Play it a couple times, play it again, figure it out and go. So I do get your point there. But there's just no way to do it where nobody that's in the tournament has anything to do with the machines pre-tournament. It's not my point. It's the arguments I hear all the time on the forums and stuff. And people have asked me off air and I'll make it very clear. And Marty, I think you and I probably are similar in this way. I hear people say, oh, you know what? Tournament directors shouldn't be in their own tournaments. I absolutely 100% disagree with that. In fact, I feel worse when tournament directors are not playing. When I watch Carl D'Angelo do what he does, not only in the four days at Indisc, but the weeks and months leading up to that, to sit by and make sure hundreds of people are having a great time when he could be having a great time, 
that's not normal. That's that's saintly, if anything. And I feel bad when these people putting on these tournaments are not able to participate. It really bothers me, and it bothers me that people criticize things like that. I, I you know, I, how much I love Carl D'Angelo, and I think it's a fantastic person. I'm not sure whether he really has done enough to be canonized as a saint, like officially by the Catholic Church. I just wanted to put that out there to say he's a saint. Compared to Keith Elwin? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, I would canonize him. But no, I, I just wanted to, to, to really wrap it up because I think Robert actually made the best point. I know we're all surprised by that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're giving me the credit for something? Hang I on. am. I am because I think what you've done is really highlighted every single scenario that we've just talked about. The one reason why it's like this is because it's just not big enough. It's not big enough. You could say Papa, um, sorry, Pinberg is because they've got people that are having to run it. It's so big, so they're not in the tournament. But most tournaments, 95 out of 100% of tournaments are so small that you can't just have a tournament director just give up their time, put their machines in there and say, oh, I'm not playing. That's, it's we're just not big enough for that. I mean, if you think about it, you know, one of the guys in your uh, neck of the woods that runs a lot of tournaments that knows what it's like to not be big enough, you know, Ryan C. But, you know, it is what it is. The other guy that comes to mind with being saintly with, with Carl is, is Bowen. You know, yep. how many years did he do Penberg and not get to play in Penberg? Yep. I mean, that's a guy that could have won that multiple times, but his focus was providing an excellent tournament. Yep, agreed. Yeah, all, and then all those Pittsburgh people as well. Oh, my goodness, everyone that worked for Papa. Yeah, I mean, that's not the norm. That's what I think made it the exception that they gave up their time. And and boy, do we miss it now. But um, I did mention TPF. Marty, is that on the calendar? Now that Marty's lockdown's done, by the way. So is that next on the docket maybe for you for coming to North America? I hope so. Uh, you know, whether it's at a... From a, in a personal capacity or whether an official haggis capacity, either way, I, oh, fuck, I, I just, I want to get back over. I mean, you know what? It's so far in the future. I want to be able to travel to another state, not just another country. So yes, I would hope that TPF is absolutely on the cards either way. You know, I, I think I mentioned that, you, God, I don't know, was it 18 months, two years ago when it happened when the first sort of lockdown happened with COVID, which was kind of, when was it? Like January, February, 2020, I think it was. So I, I we were going to TPF, everything got canceled. So I believe my flights are still there. The money is in credit. So I can go. I just don't know what it's going to look like, but we'll talk post Robert and about the whole COVID thing. I'll tell you what it's going to look like. You're going to use that credit. You're going to crash in my suite Clark Fraley is going to take pictures of us at five in the morning drinking. <laughs> That's what it's going to look like. Yep. Yep. I hope so. I've got you both on here. Marty, Robert, who has had the bigger, not the most, but the bigger, maybe when I say bigger, messier drinking streams, Marty or Robert? Hmm. I don't know. All I know is the first drinking stream I had, I fell into the bookcase twice. <laughs> I stained my carpet with my uh, turkey dyed feather boas that got wet with alcohol. I dressed up as Macho Man and jumped off a cocktail table onto a six foot bear with the drop the elbow from the top rope. It was pretty epic. And speaking of that, 
You know, I just streamed episode 149 this morning, so I think next weekend, I think 150 needs to be a drinking stream, and I think mm-hmm. Marty needs to figure out how to come on and yeah, for on sure. Discord why why we're drinking. Yeah, make it happen. Make it happen. Wow, you really needed a special milestone episode to get Marty to drink. That was yeah, that was hard. <laughs> that was a tough one. <laughs> did, you, did you notice the real hesitation? Yes. <laughs> well, hey, it's a special episode one thirty six. <laughs> oh wow, that's a mouth. <laughs> Let me get out the gin. One plus three plus six equals ten. Let's yeah, drink. drink. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no excuse needed. I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Robert, we'll let you go. Uh, did you see that I was representing Top Rope Pinball when I was on JDL Pinball in Germany? Did you see that? I gave you a shout out. That was that was nice of you. Uh, that was a nice looking shirt. Speaking of that, let me give a shout out to uh, Silverball Swag. So they're going to have uh, a lot of shirts there from a lot of different uh, streamers. So there will be some Top Rope Swag there at Expo for you to pick up. So you might check out their booth. They'll get your uh, favorite favorite shirt or favorite uh, cap. I don't know what all they're going to have, but I know they're going to have shirts. Robert, anything else you'd like to say before we say so long? No. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired and I'm exhausted. Still yeah. from last weekend, I'm catching up. All right. Where's the reach around? Oh, yeah. yeah. The reach around's right over there. It's right in front of the Texas State Championship and pen, uh, TPF trophies. It's right in the center of them. Just, you know, reaching mm-hmm. around through those championships, and there it is, fondling my balls. Stuart from Haggis says hi. Thank you very much, Robert. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. That was Robert Byers. But, Jeff, what did we learn? Hmm. I liked what you said. I liked what he said about these long weekend tournaments and the toll it takes on the players. And you rightfully said, you know what? It's the TDs that also have nonstop and have to deal with issues and putting out fires, problem solving, all that kind of stuff. It's funny. You're exhausted afterwards, but not much time passes and you're like, okay, when's the next one? Yeah, that, that is true. When Melbourne Silverball, that big event, the flip out, when that's done, are you, oh, I don't even want to think about pinball for a while. What's it like for you? No, it's actually, it's actually quite interesting because, as you know, I don't play in it. So at the end of it, I'm, I'm completely exhausted but I'm thinking, okay, bring on a tournament that I can play in. Are you going to play in some more tournaments? Because you haven't done a lot in the there last There are no bit. tournaments. No, they're coming back. You guys are out of yeah, lockdown. I will. Yeah, I've, I'm feeling good about getting back into tournaments. Do you realize, had you not streamed the last tournament I played in Australia, I won't talk mm-hmm. about it, but mm-hmm. you chose not to play in that. That's true. You're a good player. Imagine if I would have won it, sure. If you played in one, I would have no ammo, no fire, no cockiness. It would all be gone. So you know what? You get pissed off every time I try to bring it up, which I can't. <laughs> well. It's your fault. Had you played, you could have shut me up. Ryan C couldn't do it. Everybody else in Australia couldn't, but maybe you, Marty. No, that that's true. I mean everyone was obviously just being really nice to you, but Bullshit. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, we won't talk about it because (laughs) banned from talking about it. Why don't you play in a tournament? They've got to be coming up because you're out of lockdown now. This is big news. This is the biggest news over the last few weeks. Finally, Melbourne has ended the longest lockdown in the world. So what what are you doing with that? Um, I don't know because we've been out of lockdown before. I kind of am feeling a little bit hesitant to get out there and, and get back to normality. And we're not back to normality. We, we're out of lockdown, meaning 
we now don't have have to have five reasons for leaving home, which is, you know, getting groceries, going to a doctor to get a COVID test, two other things. I can't remember what they are. Uh, so, you know, we can travel. We can now have people over to our home, which is a big deal. But, you know, retail still is not completely open. In fact, retail is outdoor retail. So that's not really normal. So we we had this, and, and also the curfew is has been lifted. So everyone had to be at home at nine o'clock. So that's now been lifted. It's really it's because we got to seventy percent double dosing. I think when we get to eighty percent, which is in about four weeks' time, it will get back to probably more normality then. At eighty percent, Ian will visit. I'm guessing yes. I could be wrong. Who knows? Well, well, funny you say that because I think at, at about eighty percent, that's when international travel restrictions are lifted. And I was talking to somebody on the stream last night, and they're saying, you know, for business, it's pretty much lifted at the moment, but personal international travel still not really allowed. And you've got to go into two weeks quarantine, etc. So serious, you can't go anywhere. Uh, can you? What about other states? I really need to look that up, but up until recently, no, because you know, state. Borders are controlled by the states. International borders are governed by the government, obviously. So, yeah, we'll see. It, it's some sense of normality. I don't think I'm really going to feel that we are back to some sense of normal till the end of the year, New Year. Hmm. So, uh, you know, and tournaments have started, but none of them are really IFPA at this stage because they're just not getting the numbers. So that'll it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. I'm not fussed. I, a lot of people have been stressing out about this and, you know, I've been really feeling it. I haven't. I've been okay throughout the whole thing. So it's not a big deal for me. You've been busy. I think that's what helps too, because yeah. by the way, love what Damien and you and everybody at Haggis is doing with these almost daily videos of here are different aspects of the machines, and you're seeing Celts, you're even seeing uh, Fathom Revisited. I, I like that. Uh, that's good on you, and it's got to be very exciting for your customers. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because we, we see that every day, and we know how much effort is going into Celts and to Fathom. I don't think everybody else could really appreciate, you know, just how advanced we were with our manufacturing capability. So I think it was really important for people to know that it's a real company. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real company and we are delivering pinball machines. You know, there's some conversation around Haggis and some comparisons to another company. And we were just like, hang on. No, 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 no. We're, we're not. We are actually delivering machines. There have been you know the delays. I mean, you and I speak, so you know the delays as I, as I tell you. And it really is, COVID has just made it so difficult for us. But I think the, the point of these videos and the point of Damien's last update is we are still pushing through this and it is a significant delay. There is no doubt about it. And we absolutely regret that that's a delay, but we are still forging ahead. Games are coming work is being done and you know there's been some some changes of of people and that's also covid related some people just don't need to work and so they don't and others just have done different things so well we're going to miss Greg Silby that's uh, too bad that he's, <laughs> I assume let go is that correct no I, I i absolutely love working with Greg and obviously with with all of them was just great people but it's it's that kind of stuff they're the challenges that that come your way and you know, I, I don't want to get into a defensive position either, but, you know, throughout the years, particularly head-to-head, 
when there was criticisms of the manufacturers, I've always, always said, think about the people. Think about the fact that you've got all these games and there's mechanical components, electrical components, whatever it is. But managing people is also something that you've really got to factor in. And we don't really think about it. And that is just yet another variable that happens in running a business. And, you know, that's where we are. But we've got a great team. It's growing. Our capability is growing significantly. Um, I, I think it's a good news story. Not everybody thought it was a good news story, but it is. You and I have talked, obviously, weekly for quite some time, for years, even before we were doing Flannel Round, yeah, in fact. Yeah, correct. And, um, you know, when you were struggling to make head-to-head good, hey, Jeff, what can we do? And I, well, I oh, <laughs> things like that. But, yeah, <laughs> kidding. Yeah, yeah, of course, obviously. I've known the progress that's been happening at Haggis. And to actually see some of this, I think there might have been some people unknown. I'm like, okay, where are we with, with certainly with Celts, with Fathom, and I even asked you, this is off air months ago. I'm like, okay, so I, I know you're doing the Celts and getting these out, finishing off the, the orders there. Have you started on Fathom yet? And the answer is yes, because mm, yeah. it's not like one thing has to be completely done. Okay, now we bring in other things. No, you've got a lot of progress done on Fathom, so that's exciting. And, and again, for those people that have purchased that, you're going to be very excited. Yeah, well, obviously I think so too because I've seen it and I know it. I wrote the rules for, for 2.0. So Are they done? Yeah. All right, here we go. Let's talk about there's it. Some, there, no, there, there's some tweaking to be done. There's some balancing that needs to be done. You know, light shows need to be, you know, tweaked, etc. But, you know, the framework's been done. I've, I've worked on that for a long time. But, yeah, you're right. These things don't, it don't – we don't get to the end of Fathom and then go – okay, let's open up the manual for building Fathom and start that. That's been working in tandem as well. You thought he was just doing podcasts and slacking work. Hell no. Hell no. But remember, what I've also been doing uh, at Haggis is, I mean, no one's going to give a shit about this but me, but I am fucking loving it there because I've been getting involved in a lot of the, the print room stuff as well. So creating Playfields and plastics and art and decals and, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, my journey at Haggis has been phenomenal. Did you add a bulge to that loincloth? I saw a bit of the uh, side art there and I thought, <laughs> that's a little bigger than normal. No, I didn't need to add anything. It was a uh, picture of me. <laughs> oh, <So>. <laughs> Speaking of pictures of people, have you seen what the Odin character looks like on Legends of Valhalla? It's this big old, he's got an eye patched, long gray hair. You were wondering why I was growing the hair. Now you know. Yeah. So, hey, look, I'm excited for American Pinball. I don't know if I've ever really said this. I think the people that are following it kind of understood. So Scott Gullix, who created this along with Frank Giolotti, they asked me long years ago for their prototype. Hey, do you want to do a few lines for this? I'm, of course. I, I've done that for a few homebrewers to help out. I'll do that for anybody. Just. If they need something, here you go. Um, I like seeing the success of homebrews, and um, these people are really the future of pinball. So anything I can do to help, whether it's promote or that, glad to help. And then they made seven of these machines. I didn't know it was going to be that, and they're out in location. In fact, there's this place called Brad's Garage in Hamilton, Ohio. They actually have one of the seven prototypes, and they've had it there for quite some time. That probably caught the eye of American, and they contacted Scott and Frank and said, hey, we want to mass-produce this thing. So i got to say, pretty exciting, pretty cool. I'm going to tell you something else. 
As exciting as that is, I got to tell you the thing I'm most excited about, well done American Pinball, first of all, for bringing on Scott and Frank, but for bringing on our good friend, Stephen Bowden. Thank God. In my mind, I just think absolutely. That is just a, a, a no-brainer to, to use a bit of a cliche. It's like, well, yeah, of course you would. Steve's great. Obviously, we, we didn't get to see his game in the wild, but we saw enough of the rule set to know it was very clever and he's obviously very clever. So that makes a lot of sense. So well done. Yeah, very, very exciting for sure. So let's talk Legends of Valhalla. So when it was announced, I, I didn't immediately, like, like the, the Steve, I didn't immediately go, oh yeah, absolutely, that makes sense. I went, huh, okay, I, I get that. It kind of fits in with American Pinball's sort of wheelhouse in that they, I mean, arguably Hot Wheels is a big license, but they don't necessarily go for the, the major expensive licenses. It is a great looking game. I've, I've never played it, but it looks great. The rules look great. And I thought to myself, yeah, this makes sense. I mean, a lot of it's probably already done. I mean, taking it from homebrew to a production machine is a very different process. It's not like they go, oh, okay, control C, control V, copy paste. You've still got to then bring that into American Pinball's manufacturing ecosystem, which is very different. There's probably different parts. There's different construction techniques. It's, it's all very different. So I can understand that it's probably taken them a while to get it where it is right now. But I just looked at it and went, yeah, I think that's a great move for them. I still don't know how many units they're going to sell just based on theme alone, which I love the theme. I've always loved Valkyries and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's a good move for them. Yeah, tough to say. I have no idea myself. I mean, I've always said theme is very important to put quarters into a machine or dollars into a machine when you're on location. Oh, I like that movie. I like that TV show. I like that band. I wonder what the game's like. The second quarter is the most important one because you have to have a good experience playing the game. And there are some great themes out there that the experience isn't that great. So really what it comes down to for me especially in a home collection, is how's the gameplay? How's the code? Yeah. How's the animation? All that kind of yeah. good stuff. If that's good, I could give two fucks what the theme is. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can think of a bunch of games where I, I really don't even like the theme, but the game's awesome. Mm-hmm. List them, rattle them off the top of your head. And conversely, I can think of games with, oh, that's a perfect theme. Holy shit, you fucked that up. Star Wars. <coughs> Led Zeppelin. <coughs> yep. Yeah, I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I like, I've, I've said, oh, again, one of these things that I say all the time is I like a game to make you feel something. Feel something. Not necessarily feel good, but just feel something. And theme is an integral part on how you can feel when you're playing a pinball machine. Yes, gameplay can be shit, but it sometimes can be compensated by a good theme. Hmm. So there we go. I don't know what to do about that. But anyway, so you have done the call-outs in Legends of Valhalla is really the point of it. Um, what was the process like? Matt Kern, excellent producer, sound engineer. David Fix, obviously Scott and Frank had, um, had the call-outs in there before. And when David signed them to come on board American Pinball, they heard the voices and... I think Frank was doing a lot of the voices, kind of just filler. 
And David asked me if I'd like to reprise that role and, and do some new callouts. And then they hired some voice actors for some of the other callouts. So I did a couple of Zoom sessions and uh, kind of with my home studio here. And uh, it was great. It was, it was fun. Matt was good to work with, much like David Thiel in my experience with Raza. Let's put it this way. When you have pros like these guys, they can make probably anybody sound good. So I thank them uh, for their guidance. And uh, Matt was a lot of fun, especially this theme, the Norse gods and that mythology. I don't really know a lot about it. I kind of know the mood that they were looking for. Let's be honest. If you think of Vikings, they're not the greatest people in the world. You know, they, they might have brought back slaves, had concubines, things like that, mass murderers. They're not great people. So it's a lot of war and it's a lot of violence and stuff, which is not everybody's cup of tea. Got it. But I could put myself into that uh, situation. It was fun. I guess the story of the game, and I hope I'm not wrong, is uh, the hero, I guess, had his either family or wife slaughtered. And it's kind of a vengeance thing, you know, to get revenge. And I think she becomes this angel. I think you can see her actually on the side of the cabinet with her wings and everything. A Valkyrie, I believe. They're the Valkyries, yeah. So... That's kind of the story of, of the game, and uh, it looks good. I saw it actually streamed. Stefan Riedler from RS Pinball in Austria happened to be in Chicago, and he was with Michael Grant from American, and he was just Facebook living it. But uh, that was my first look at it on Sunday, and it looks great. Yeah, it does look great. Yeah, so congrats. So my second thought after resolving that in my mind going, yep, good, was I kind of wished they'd done a Wrath of Olympus as well, or maybe they'll consider it for the future because I think Wrath of Olympus for me looks a better game. Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out, and I do not know, so I can say, you know, if I, if I did know, I'd say, oh, who knows? But I don't know. Yeah, right, right. There, right there. So everybody in future, whenever he says that, you know, he knows. Oh, I don't know. I'm commenting on it because I actually do not know, but you're yeah. right. That is a interesting layout. They had done it on virtual pinball. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, so that's how it got kind of popular. So yeah, Wrath of Olympus was originally done on a virtual pinball, and that's, I think, how Frank saw Scott, because it was available for anybody, and then they made the physical machine. So I don't know. Uh, who knows? I, 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 Scott, in the interview on Pinball Profile, said he'd like to continue the relationship with American Pinball. So fingers crossed. Yeah, look, I, I hope so, because Wrath of Olympus, great layout, great rules, just, it just looked great. Then you've got Legends of Valhalla, which continues that. So obviously he's very talented. They're very talented, right, Pimble? So I think that bodes well if they continue to use his skills. You mentioned Hot Wheels. I did. Another American pinball machine. I really got to play a lot of it when I was in Germany. We haven't talked about that. Yeah, I know. The reason the show is late is I actually got sick and I was on vocal rest for about six days. Everyone was hoping it was longer fuck off mm-hmm. it wasn't i'm allowed mm-hmm. to talk now the tournament i went to was spectacular and and please listen to that pinball profile episode where i talk about bulls and balls but i want to talk about that game specifically hot wheels fun fun game to play i mean just lots of flow uh the rpm thing was very unique so i'm looking forward to seeing more of these games come out when i was there people were playing that they had jersey jacks guns and roses there and it's the same thing I hear from a lot of different people. When it's not a stern game, especially newer players, they're like, it feels different. It feels different. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel different. Yeah. That doesn't course. make it bad. 
I just bought a new car. And one of the reviews about the car is like, ah, doesn't really feel like a car. It feels more like a truck. I bought an SUV. And I'm like, that's a negative thing? If it feels like a truck, yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And, and I remember, you know, when I streamed Houdini, and also when I streamed Oktoberfest, it was really the same. It just felt really different. And if I'd played one or two games and walked away, I would have gone, oh, I didn't, don't know whether I really enjoyed myself. But because I had to stream for a few hours, I got used to it. I got used to the way the flippers feel. The, the rubbers are very different. The layouts are obviously very different. But after a while, when you then get tuned into this new game from a new manufacturer, it all just starts to come together. And you know what, even back further, when I was playing Full Throttle by Highway, first couple of games, I just thought, this is trash. After a while, I started getting it and realizing that the shots are in different locations that you're used to, but once you work it out, it's still good pinball. I loved that game. I played that with Bowen Karens. Yeah. Pintastic. In fact, it was a competition game. And I went, oh, congrats, Bowen. He goes, you don't know how to play it? I said, no. And he goes, well, he, Bowen's great. He tells you exactly mm. this is what you have to do. He can do it. Other mortals can't, but you know, at least he lets you know, which I thought was really kind, much like his tutorials. Yep. Loved playing that game. And it's funny you mentioned that because in Germany, because of Pinball Universe in Germany and because of RS Pinball, they brought all these games I had never played. And this is my first big tournament since the pandemic hasn't ended, but you know what I mean? Since we were allowed to travel. So I got to play, Marty, Alien. Oh. This is the Pinball Brothers version. It was fun. Good game. A little dark, but um, <laughs> I remember, I think it was you guys on Head to Head that were commenting on, maybe it was Slam Tilt, about the uh, when you don't complete a mode, it pops up fail. <laughs> it really yeah. makes you feel like shit. And you guys were like, oh, that, that sucks. No, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. They had Big Lebowski. Yeah. But you'd played that before, though. Eh, I flipped it once years ago. Okay. Years ago. Okay. It's been three or four. God, I love that game. Yeah, it's fun. Am I wrong? Is that game not fun to play? No, it's a fun game. I played that at Sunshine Laundromat, and it was fun. Lots of fun. The other games they had there? This one really shocked me. Heavy Metal. Oh, the stern one. Yes. Heavy Metal. So it has the Star Wars pin layout. And if you remember, there's kind of an a interesting way to lock the ball, and then you hit some drop targets and then bang the ball out to start multi-ball. But it ha this had a DMD display, unlike that small LCD display on the Star Wars pin. Okay. Fun game. Sounded yep. amazing, too. Like, really okay. good. God, good game. And the other game they had there was Heist. I finally got to play Heist. Oh, uh, okay. Still, sorry, Twippies, the best toy of last year was that crane. Hands down. Yeah, okay. So, so I got a, I got a few pins in that I, I still haven't played Rick and Morty, still haven't played Godzilla. I, I want to play that uh, Jurassic pin. Congrats, Jack Danger! That thing looks yeah. great. Do you know what? It's got to say it's the first time the pin series from Stern has been released, and people haven't been banging on about how cheap it looks or how featureless it is. Everyone's kind of like, oh hang on, that's a real pinball machine and it's cheaper. Do you know how when somebody makes a pinball machine, the compliments are fine and everything, but people actually do want some constructive criticism. I looked at that and I'm like, well, what can I say? So I, I was talking to Jack, sent him a note and I said, the only negative thing I can think about that game is operators are going to wish there was a coin box on that. Yeah. That looks like a lot of fun. 
It does, doesn't it? It does. I've always, I've always liked the pins, the, the the home versions of Stone Games. They might not necessarily have the deepest code. Is, is probably the only criticism. But other than that, it's a pretty good, almost you know, one hundred percent crazy layout that a Stern machine has. So, and, and they they flip really well. I mean, it still feels like a Stern. Yep. So they're, they're good games. Mark Silk loves his Star Wars pin. He had the Star Wars, I believe, and switched it for the pin. Loves it way more. And I can't disagree with him. You and I both think that Spider-Man pin, which is Supreme yeah. as well. Fun, fun game. Ed's got a Supreme, and he thinks it. I said, did you buy it and then sell it? He's like, no, it loves the game. So, yeah, uh, the pins are looking good. And, and that Jurassic Park, the RoboCop ramp jump, thank you for bringing that back in. Yeah. I love that shot. Yep, yep. The Jurassic Park grabs the ball, and this is a pin, that mech? Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's why there hasn't been so much criticism about its features, because it's pretty stacked. Yeah. Some good pinball we're going to see, and I'm going to see a few more pinball machines this week. Sorry, Marty. I know you're going to get out and about soon, but Expo. I bought my plane ticket. I'm going Mm. there. I'm going to get a couple of swabs and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I get to see all these games and, and some people too. I wish there were people from outside North America. I wish some of our European friends and Australians were there too. I say that just to be polite. I really don't give a shit, but um, mm, obviously. No, I do. I do. Yeah, no, uh, it'll be, I, I would imagine a scaled down expo, wouldn't you think? I'm not close enough to, obviously, couldn't be further away from North America at the moment to know what impact it still has on those sorts of events, but I, could, I couldn't imagine it would be like 100% capacity like they usually have. Capacity-wise, I would guess no, but seminar-wise, I looked at that and I was like, holy shit, that's a full slate. And Yeah, it is. I'm going to go to more seminars than I normally do, and uh, I'll play some tournament stuff too. There's a chance to see people I haven't seen in a long time. Do you know I've never met the guys from Loser Kid Pinball, and unfortunately I will this week. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> Scott and Josh this week. <laughs> Well, as you know, they're lovely. So. They are. One more so than the other, but that's, that's an aside. <laughs> no, it should be good. Glad there's a lot of sponsors there. You know, uh, speaking of sponsors, we should probably uh, tackle ours this week. It's our sponsor of the week. As we get back to normal, more and more people are traveling by plane once again, and you'll find nothing but comfort on the new Final Round Airlines. We know the things that make air travel annoying, so we apply a zero-tolerance method for those that break the unwritten rules. Like sitting in the window seat and getting up more than once to use the bathroom. That's a no-no. Do that, and you'll be shoved into an overhead compartment for the rest of your flight. If you talk to the stranger beside you non-stop as they try to sleep, not on Final Round Airlines you won't, a flight attendant will be right there to knock your teeth out. Sure, other airlines will provide safety by insisting everyone wears a mask. We go one step further for the non-complying. We throw you off the plane. Hope you brought a parachute on your (laughs) carry-on. Other rules include if you grab the seat in front of you to get out of your chair. Instant punch to the mouth. If you hold onto every chair as you go up and down the aisle, expect to be kicked violently to the ground. What about crying babies? Ever see the last episode of MASH? Welcome to Final Round Airlines. Sit still, keep quiet, and no one gets hurt. I'm looking forward to the final round airlines because I forgot what I missed about airplanes. Those, uh, uh, fuck, 
Why do people, when they get up, have to grab the back of your seat, especially on a oh, long flight? Stop. Fuck off. Stop. I'm trying to sleep. You don't need to fucking grab everything. I know. I know. I don't mind you pulling the tray down, up and down. That's fine. No big deal. But when you're getting up, the big shove, oh, I want to kill one. Uh, just no. I, for short haul, I always go the window seat. Me too. But long haul, I kind of always go the aisle just because I don't want to disturb people when I need to go to the bathroom. I wish other people had that courtesy. See, I disagree. Long haul, you're probably going to sleep. So if you're in that aisle seat, two things are going to happen. The person beside you is going to say, excuse me, I'm sorry, I've got to go pee. Mm. Or when the flight attendants come up and down the aisle, they're going to bang into you. I'm a bigger guy, right? So I'm going to, you know, my big, huge, wide shoulders. You know, I look like a football player. You know how it is. You know know what it is. Yeah, the big head, yep. Yeah, exactly. So there's, I like to keep my spot in the the window and just curl up there and... I guess your next flight, we talked about it with Robert, is maybe TPF? Because you're not- I hope so. Uh, yeah? I hope so. That would be really good. And I think that that's, that's a realistic amount of time from now that it would be very likely. I hope to see you there. That'll be great. And thinking of those two big festivals got me thinking of your favorite game of all time. And it's Who Will Marty Save? <laughs> so two big festivals. Rob Burke runs- Pinball Expo, Ed Vanderveen, Texas Pinball Festival. Unfortunately, because of Marty's... Marty, you're like Thanos in a way. You want to snap and get rid of half the people. So Correct. Right. Oh, oh shit. This isn't, this isn't like one person versus the other. This is thousands of people that are going to die. You really True. escalated this very quickly. Well, we've got a lot of shows coming up. So, I mean, we are going to be the Thanos uh, snap of podcasts. So unfortunately, it's a decision that you have to make between Ed Vanderveen, you've been to TPF, Rob Burke, who's run the longest running pinball expo of all time. And unfortunately, you, uh, for reasons we're about to hear, have to decide which one's going to kick it. And I don't mean kick okay. it, but just, you know. Yeah, die. Snap, you're gone. All right. <laughs> die. Obviously, let's just say it is. Um, okay. I'm going to do my usual roundabout way of being able to kill somebody, but without really actually, you know, feeling like I'm killing that person. So I've never met either of those two people. Ed so, Vanderveen, you did, you no, were at TPF. I've never met Ed. Oh. No, I didn't meet Ed. Oh. But so, so I don't have any biases to them as individuals. So. Wait a second. I don't mean to interrupt, but Rob Burke, after we did Virtual Expo last year, came on and commended both of us. So in a way, you, he met you. Yeah, but I haven't met him. So what I'm saying still stands. So besides pinball, what's my other favorite thing in the world? I would say Irish dancing. Okay. Yep. I do love that. But mm-hmm. my third favorite thing ah, is food. Yes. So I love food. So it then comes down to uh, Texas versus, well, so where, where, where is TPF anyway? It's near Dallas, isn't it? It's near Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking Dallas versus Chicago, right? Yeah. So we're talking. Deep dish? Is it deep dish pizza, deep pan pizza, whatever it is? It's massive steaks too in the Midwest. Are you kidding me? It's Garrett's yeah. popcorn. It's Yeah. Versus American barbecue in Texas. Both are good. Both are very good. But in this particular case, I could not live without American barbecue. When I went to TPF, that the show was great. It was awesome. It was it was fine. It was it was amazing. 
But the thing I remember the most was going to Hard Eight and having the most phenomenal American barbecue. And yes, I want to come back to the show because I want to meet the people. You're all amazing. I really want to come back for that American barbecue. So I'm sorry that uh, Chicago Pimple Expo has to go. Everybody inside as well, they're all dead because Marty likes his American barbecue. There you go. Do you know how many people are going to go up to Rob Burke and say, hey, I'm I'm sorry about your loss? And he's like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're an inevitable death thanks to the curse that Marty Robbins put on you. (laughs) Yeah, but those people people that have had American barbecue in Texas know exactly what I'm saying. Mm. And, and, and I say that because I'm really saying that Chicago is no Chicago is known for its deep. Is it deep dish or deep pan pizza? It's deep dish pizza, and yep. the locals will say it's Luminati's, or you know the, the yeah, tourists. I went to yeah. It's good. The tourists will yep. go to Gino's. I'm a Giordano's guy, and so the reason why I bring that up is that a lot of people, when they talk about that deep dish pizza in Chicago, some people like it, some people don't, but everybody likes American barbecue in Texas. So. Do you know who doesn't like deep dish pizza? Who? Another dead man, do you? Keith Elwin. Ah, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you share that with him, yet still want him deceased. Hmm. No, I didn't. No, I like deep dish pizza. I loved it. As I said, I went to Lou Malnati's and it was amazing. So, you know, it's just that I I so desperately want to go back to Heart 8. And so anybody, reach out to me. If there is, in Texas, if there's a better place than Heart 8, let me know. It was just the place that, that was recommended to me and it was amazing. But I want to come back and I want to have the best American barbecue you can ever have. You're also forgetting Whataburger. I mean, you I've have- never had it. Oh, fuck. So good. So good. Okay. You got to go, but here's a little tidbit and we want to give a shout out to Wayne Tedder. Wayne just set yes. the world record just nearby here at Player One in Mississauga. He set the world record for playing 48 hours of consecutive pinball, and I had a chance to talk to him, so we'll just play that right now. First of all, Wayne, congratulations on setting the Guinness world record for longest continuous playing of a pinball machine. 48 hours. Are you nuts? Um, Thank you. And to answer your second question, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be to want to stand for 48 hours. It was a fun event. But it's, it's one of those, even towards the end, though I was still doing okay, you, you, you start to feel it in your legs and you just, you start to cramp up along the way. But it's, I'm very happy I did it. But yeah, it's, it was a marathon. I did 24 hours and I've done that a couple of times where you're playing, but there's time to sit down in between games and a little bit of, not really power naps, but maybe there's a 50 minutes, okay, I'm just going to shut my eyes and not do anything. You didn't have that luxury. In a way we did, the Guinness record set it up in so that you can have a five-minute break every hour. But you can also bank that time. So what I did is I played for four straight hours, and then you have the 20 minutes off. So I could sit, have a little something to eat, perhaps, and then get back to the machine. But, you know, for the first few stints, it's four hours and sit, four hours and sit. It's no problem. It's a breeze. After hour 30, those 20 minutes go by like two minutes. My wife is on the sidelines. you got to get back. I don't have to get back. I have no, i got to get back. This was done at Player One in Mississauga, and it was yep. done on the Beatles machine, although there yep. was a duplicate machine in case something went wrong. Correct. Now, again, according to Guinness, you can have a backup machine, certainly, but it had to be the same model. So it's not like I could jump from, say, Beatles to Avengers or Beatles to Deadpool. It had to be the very same game. And it held up? It did. It, it, it ran like a Rolex. It was just beautiful. It just absolutely flawless. 
I don't know how you did it. Again, going back to the only thing I can compare is those 24-hour runs at the Sanctum. You know, Jeff, it was after I broke the record, after the 30 hours and 10 minutes, and there was a crowd on hand. I had a lot of friends, a lot of co-workers came by, and there's that high five and everything else. Get back to the game. And it was about half an hour later. It's like my body said, whoa, we're, we're done. We're good. And it's like, no, 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 we're, 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 not, we're, we're just a little over halfway there. We got to keep going. Like, to turn the adrenaline back on, turn all this back on. We still have a long way to go. And I, I was able to power through that. The only real glitch, I'll say, happened around the 1.30 in the morning on the Saturday where I just suddenly didn't feel all that great and it became very cold and very clammy. And as luck would have it, it was like a fighter that's on the ropes, but it's the end of the round, saved by the bell. As I turned to a friend, how much time do I have left? Oh, you have two minutes till break. I need the break. Just step outside, get some air, a sip or two of orange juice, and then I was back and I was good again, fortunately, because that was rough for about five minutes. And then from there, it was just we, we sailed to the finish line. Did you take any medication? No. Nothing. Jeff, you, you know what's really interesting is that, you know, even friends with bringing coffee, I thought, well, no, I don't want to over-caffeinate myself. And I had in the cooler just in case, let's see, oh, we had a couple of the energy drinks here. No, I just I didn't want the caffeine spikes or anything like that. Really, all I had was... Um, I'd, I'd sip on a, um, a coffee as people brought them in, but really just keep myself hydrated. Just It, it was really just all, for the most part, really just straight water. And you crushed and the record, too, by the way. It was, wasn't it 30, 31 hours? It was 30 hours and 10 minutes. What made you decide to go to 48? Did you know that going in, or were you like, okay, anything after 31 is a bonus? I wanted 48. Wow. Just, you know what, it was just, uh, Jeff, there's a real reason behind it. I don't have one. I just, you know what, Let's. it would be fun to try 48. Uh, let's go back to your first question about nuts. But I thought, you know, it'd be fun, fun, nuts to try for 48. And I, I was happy to, I, I was happy to do it. And I was happy. I'm glad I didn't have to stop it short on the Saturday night. I mean, with such, with really only seven hours to go, I think it would have been, even with the record, I would have been really disappointed if I had to stop. Like we, I made it to 48 and it worked out just well. I mean, for Jerry and Player One, who accommodated the event, you know, so many people went out of their way. I didn't want to let them down either. I said 48. We're doing 48. And money was raised for charity. Right. It's the Playroom Experiment. And the idea of the Playroom Experiment is really supporting um, kids with special needs, be it autism or other um, learning challenges. And it's through gaming through inclusion. And the machine that was beside me, the identical Beatles machine, is going into a, um, a local high school. Yeah, that's in Petrolia, Ontario, so I was very excited when Mike Primo first told me about that, and uh, good for you, Wayne. I wonder how the next few days were for you. You know what, they, were, they went really well. I mean, uh, as I said, not to bid on Saturday, and yesterday was really um, work-related things, because my office was really good about me taking the, especially the, the week leading into it. You have all the details worked out until you don't, and there's always that last minute, oh no, oh no, this has to be handled, I have to reach out to this person. My wife was completely on side with this from day one. She worked out the volunteer schedule, make sure paper proper paperwork is filled out, and they just kind of cleaning up everything work-related so I could leave the office for a few days. And yesterday was kind of getting back to normal. A lot of people are really proud of what you've done, Wayne. It's a heck of an accomplishment. No one can ever take that away from you. And now you're in the Guinness World Book of Records. Congratulations. Jeff, thank you very much, and thank you for reaching out for me. And, you know, it, it was really an honor to do it. I, I played pinball since I was six, and like I said, people asked me, so that puts my first game, racks up my first game in, 19, in 1970. And it's just it's something, if I can give back something through pinball, this, I mean, it was just a home run. That's awesome. Look, obviously amazing. I mean, 48 hours on Beatles. 
That's amazing. I can't imagine mm. 48. There is a second wind, but if you do 48, there's got to be a second, third, fourth. Yeah. And the next day, him and his wife oh are God. doing this and that. Like, I'd be conked for a week, but. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine the recovery. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. All right. We are not going to do uh, a long 48 hours. In fact, we're going to take two weeks off. A fortnight, as some like to say. We will mm-hmm. be back the next time. Where can you reach us? You can email us at finalroundpinball at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook and just search up Final Round Pinball. Final Round Pinball podcast on Instagram at Final Round Pin on Twitter. And that's us. Talk to you in two weeks. I'm Jeff Teolos. I'm Martin Robbins. Thanks, everybody. Speak soon.